Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today we're looking at the topic, Food and Famine in the Teachings of Hippolytus, the early church father, writing in the year 204 from Rome. He was the first commentator on a book of the Bible, writing an entire commentary on an entire book of the Bible for the very first time in the history of Christianity. He wrote on Daniel, one of the prophetic books of the Bible, and he also wrote a treatise on the Antichrist. And Apollotus tells us that towards the end of the world, as we come upon a period of great tribulation, there's going to be a famine associated with the Antichrist. And in our previous episodes, I showed you that his teaching, and again, I'm not trying to prove or disprove his teaching, although I pay heed to it, and I think that's what you should do as well, but he warned that there's going to be great famines at that time, and the Antichrist would even use those famines to entice people to take the mark of the beast. This is what he said in the year 204. Then, after these things, the heavens will not give their dew, the clouds will not give their rain, the earth will refuse to yield its fruits, the sea shall be filled with stench, the river shall be dried up, the fish of the sea shall die, men shall perish of hunger and thirst, and father, embracing son and mother, embracing daughter, will die together and there will be none to bury them. But the whole earth will be filled with the stench arising from the dead bodies cast forth. And the sea, not receiving the floods of the rivers, will become like mire and will be filled with an unlimited smell and stench. Then there will be a mighty pestilence upon the whole earth, and then too, inconsolable lamentation and measureless weeping and unceasing mourning. Do you want to know why you haven't heard much about the teachings of Hippolytus? This is very, very sobering stuff. And before I even unlock this a bit, because there's a tendency, especially in our world, I consider myself, along with probably 99.9% of you, of rather soft. I mean, we drive around in cars with automatic steering and power brakes and air conditioning. We have uh, we set our comfort levels in our homes and all this type of things. And there's a tendency when we come to Christianity to want to carry that same level of comfort with us. And to me, in a sense, there's a couple of kinds of radio listeners. One, it says, just give me tidings of comfort and joy. And there's something to be said for that. It's like the doctor, you have terminal cancer, you're going to die. But he says, oh, I think we'll get it. And there's something to be said for the positive outlook and not getting all winged out about having terminal cancer. You're thinking things will be fine, but it doesn't turn out that way. But there's the other type of radio listeners. It says, rather than tidings of comfort and joy, just give me the truth, whatever that truth may be. And that's, to me, how I would like a physician. Tell me my situation. 
don't just give me flowery words. I want to know what the deal is. And Hippolytus says it's going to be very serious towards the end of the world. Now, I've been thinking a bit about this, and how did he come up with this? Now, one of the ways, you know, in 204, he wasn't that far apart uh, from St. John, who, like, wrote the book of Revelation, because uh, John lived almost till the year 100, probably somewhere in the 90s. And so Hippolytus would probably have known people, or at least known people whose parents knew St. John. Uh, and so there's this chain of teaching in the early church. So it could have come from there. It also could have come from digesting Scripture. For instance, in the book of Jeremiah, I just looked to my memory. I said, I think Jeremiah had something to say about famine in preparation for this. Well, look, lo and behold, there's all types of warnings about famine in the book of Jeremiah. But do you know what his hearers said? Oh, ye, not us. We're God's people. We're not going to experience hardship. And besides, we have prophets and teachers telling us it will be just okay. In Jeremiah 14, Jeremiah writes, The prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine but I will give you assured peace in this place. That's the message of the prophets. And the Lord said to me, said to Jeremiah, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them to speak. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. And then God goes on to say that the prophets who are denying the reality of this coming judgment will actually fall under it. And when we look at the book of Revelation, this isn't just something in the Old Testament. The Bible's a book, and in the book of Revelation, I've already mentioned this when we're talking about Hippolytus and the, the famines in the end times, but in Revelation 6, uh, towards the beginning of the chapter, we find that the food costs— will devour 100% of household income for that day's food. In other words, um, I think in America, we have somewhere between 6 and 8% of our income goes to food. At some point, St. John says in Revelation, towards the end times, it will consume our entire salary just for food. And by the fourth seal, there's seal... Uh, and trumpet and bold judgments as you go through the book of Revelation. But the fourth seal, it intensifies. This is further on in Revelation 6. It says that a fourth of mankind dies from the sword, famine, and pestilence, this triple judgment. Now, in addition to what Apollotus says as far as famine and the end times in the book of Revelation— what might happen in the United States apart from anything dealing with the end times? I'd like to share with you a verse from 2 Samuel 21. It says, Now there was famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David sought the face of the Lord, and the Lord said, 
There is blood guilt on Saul and on his house because he put the Gibeonites to death. Now, the Gibeonites were in covenant, basically made a peace treaty with the Israelites, but Saul had them put to death. And for their blood guilt, famine, a three-year famine, came on the whole nation of Israel. And again, I'm pulling the topic of famine even apart from the end times. And if blood guilt over Israel from something that David didn't do, his predecessor did, think where we are in the United States in this scheme of things. There's been a reported something like 62 million abortions since 1973. 62 million. God doesn't play around with blood guilt. In Genesis, says the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And what's the result? You're cursed from the ground. There's a negative reaction to what comes from the soil. And when you till the ground, when you try to farm, when you try to produce food, it will no longer yield to you its strength. This was not the curse of weeds and such in Genesis 3. This was a result of murder, of shedding innocent blood. And we have 62 million lives taken just in my lifetime, probably your lifetime. And you want to add to this a little bit. The American Life League, a great pro-life organization, describes how the birth control pill a certain amount of times uh, actually performs a mini-abortion, prevents a child conceived in the womb from implanting in the mother's uterine wall, and they estimate that there's approximately 610 million chemical abortions just since the 1960s, mid-1960s. These are staggering numbers, and we need to be very sober about this. Things haven't changed. God hasn't changed his feelings about the shedding of innocent blood. And then there's a third reason why famine and food shortages could come to the United States and the rest of the world. There is a group of exceedingly wealthy and powerful people who believe that it's time to enter into a new global order and everything's to change. Uh, National sovereignties, finances, health, and food is one of the things they want to change. There's a report. You can go to the internet. Just Google this. It's entitled Reset the Table by the Rockefeller Foundation. And they believe that the entire world's growing, food growing, and food distribution systems need to be changed to a global basis, as well as restructuring how and what we eat as a part of what they're calling the Great Reset. And part of this, in cooperation with the Rockefeller Foundation, is Bill Gates, the eugenicist, who is also advocating a global change in our diet and food. And quietly, he has become the largest owner of farmland in the United States. Now, Christians have a little bit of a weakness in a sense that good people tend to think that even bad people can't be that bad. I would urge you 
just go to uh, YouTube and try to find some documentaries on what happened in the Ukraine in the 1930s. Or go to one of your movie providers, and there's a movie, Bitter Harvest, and it's an R-rated movie, and I'm not recommending it because of sleaze and such. It's R-rated because it's so gruesome what the communists did to innocent people and starved them to death. Would people ever do such a thing? Well, I know people here in South Carolina aren't signing up for the Great Reset unless they were punished to such a degree by something like financial hardship, uh, health hardship, or food hardship that they would accept a Great Reset. Uh, Here's some folks that are recognized as leaders in our world. Um, Jacques Cousteau, in order to stabilize world population, we must eliminate 350,000 people per day. Population control will now become the centerpiece of U.S. foreign policy. Hillary Clinton. World population needs to be decreased by 50%. Henry Kissinger advisors to presidents of the United States. This is Bill Gates, involved in the Great Reset of Food. The world today has 6.8 billion people. It's heading to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on the new vaccines and reproductive health services, we can lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 244 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy, visit us online at luke21.com.